Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. All right, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. We made everybody wait one extra day this week, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make a John Bauer guarantee. It is well worth the wait. We are joined by none other than Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's up, Dan? Guys, great to see you again. I, I can't tell you how much fun I had uh, first and first and second night of the NFL draft with you guys, with some awesome guests that brought a lot of insight and were just great people. Had a blast. And uh, I can't begin to say the amount of time, and I know I'm preaching to the choir to you guys who have even, I think, more dynasty teams than me. But man, did I forget the grind because I spent so much time chasing like third and fourth round players because I was like hooked on them. Uh, it's good to be here tonight with only three drafts instead of 15. So if I'm not paying attention at any point tonight, John, I apologize. Things have drastically slowed down. John, like, I'm oh. a, just real quick, your sound is really weird. and You have like a fan going, sounds like, behind you. I thought it was a sound effect, Mitch. When I was talking about like drafting ocean bottom <laughs> players, John was you know, throwing the ocean sound effects. Why? It was perfect before. It just uh, happened when Dan started talking. Yeah, hold on. It switched over. How about now? It's perfect. You sound heavenly. Man, I'm just, uh, my, my video's going out on Fantasy Football Confidential. My mic's going berserk. I am all out of sorts. I'm still regrouping from the draft, apparently. But we're also joined <laughs> by Mitch Sorensen. That is at DinoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's up? I just want to thank everybody. You know, you had to wait one more day. It was completely my fault. I did get my second dose. And, like, people talk about getting sick the the day afterwards and you're like all right it's a little i mean there is like this fog that's over your head and then the next day it's just gone it's like it's the weirdest thing that's ever it's like you have the flu but then after one one moment it's just like not there anymore it was so weird but feeling a lot better today i'm a big baby as is so when i got my second shot i certainly do not blame you one bit and we said listen the whole the whole team has to be 100 percent for this episode it is our first episode after the 2021 nfl draft and i wish we could have put something out before rookie drafts got underway but a lot of our drafts they kicked off on sunday mm -hmm. and then uh all the safe leagues they kicked off on monday but we have a lot of information a lot of trends that we've been seeing, maybe some value changes that have, you know, from our perspective, we've talked a lot about late round flyers pre NFL draft, but now the fact that we know landing spots and draft capital, we have a better idea and some players that we've been targeting and then just overall draft strategy. So there's a lot we want to get through tonight, Mitch. I thought it was really cute when you messaged us and said, all right, guys, 40 minutes tonight. Okay. All right. Well, We'll do 40 minutes. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Whenever we talked about the agenda, you were like, ah, easy 40 minutes show. Yeah, yeah, whatever they I, say. I thought it. I just wasn't brave enough to post it. I was like, yeah, I know, the, I know how we operate. Every we'll week I tell my wife, I say 40, 45 minutes. She told me to stop saying it. Mm -hmm. she, she doesn't believe uh, me. Uh. And she shouldn't for this. She shouldn't for this. All right. So rookie value changes. Mitch, pre-NFL draft, we all worked on our rankings. And a lot of it was contingent on draft capital, not so much landing spot. How do you feel before we get into your rankings and your value changes? How do you feel personally you did with not letting landing spot dictate how your rankings look? Well, see, I never said I would wouldn't let landing spot change because I am always willing to change based off landing spot because I think it affects players. I think. There's certain wide receivers that are shouldn't. All of us should. We everybody brings it up, right? But it's AJ Brown. Like no one fade him. AJ Brown is like this physical god of like a wide receiver. There isn't that wide receiver in this draft. I mean, Jamar Chase, yes, but Jamar Chase, perfect draft capital. There's no one else that's even like can 
be compared to AJ Brown. So as far as landing spots, there's a lot of landing spots that I hate. So I drop guys because of it, but I will say, and I think this is for everybody, as far as the first round goes, I think it's pretty, everyone had the same top 12. I mean, there might be one player different, but as far as the first round, and I think that's why we saw a lot less trades in rookie drafts this year is everyone kind of made their moves before the draft. Nothing really changed. And I saw a lot less trading this draft than what I've seen previous years. Don't get too much into that because we do want to cover that whenever we get into our strategy. But here, I want to pull something up for anybody watching on YouTube, anybody in the live chat here. Let's see. Share screen. Man, I'm so technologically sound these days. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Can you see that? Yeah, it's not bad. All right. Here, let me see if I can. All right. So what I did, this isn't uh, like in-depth data analysis or anything like that. So I'm not going to bore anybody with the numbers here, but I just took 10 drafts. It was the bottom 10 of my MFL, my fantasy league feed. And I made sure they all were the same setting. So 12 team, two PPR for tight end. This is what we're looking at. So there were 10 drafts and I have it sorted by the average. So Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Pitch, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Najee Harris. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. Jamar Chase, Zach Wilson, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Mac Jones, Devante Smith, and then Jalen Waddell. I feel like that was too many. Anyway, you get the point here. And like Mitch said, I think our the top 12, It's it was fairly consistent. You can see a lot of single-digit numbers there for those top 12 guys. Yeah, they might have shifted a few spots, but overall, it was pretty set. So I think, Mitch, like you said, maybe that kind of is a reason that the, the trading was kind of uh, you know, limited a little bit, but again, I want to get into that to, um, towards the end. I do not know how you could possibly have a red flag right now. JB is referee. Can I throw the flag on our listener, Ben Hartley there for giving the, the puke emoji to Trey Sermon. That that's where my flag is. It's on Ben Hartley, Ben, <laughs> Ben. I know you're mad at me because I somehow banned you from the discord, but the Trey Sermon should not get that puke emoji. I digress. Ben messaged me and he goes, JB, why did Dan ban me? And I said, not 99.9% sure it's because Dan does not know how to use discord. I felt terrible. End of the work day. I'm like catching up on the discord messages and saw that. And I was like, Oh man, what did I do? Apologies, Ben. So anybody that wants to join our discord, it's a very hospitable group with open <laughs> arms. You will, you might get banned. I don't know. All right. So the red flag was not for me. I appreciate that. All right. So Mitch, you were going to allow landing spot to, influence a little bit so who are some of those players and it seemed like specifically you were talking about the wide receivers but overall up down where are we looking here um i mean rashad bateman is probably the one that fell out of everybody's first round i mean now he's i mean he'll still maybe go the 112 but it's more like the 202 203 which is a big pretty move in this draft because a lot of guys just didn't drop down at all i mean waddle's going kind of where we expected him rondell moore is going almost exactly where we expected him to. And so um, another guy I'll mention is Tylen Wallace. I actually thought he had a really good chance to be a mid-second round pick if he went to a good spot. And with him going to the same team as Bateman, it's just hard to see how him, Bateman, Brown, Andrews are all going to be fantasy relevant to where I think they're going to be good football players. And I absolutely love what the Ravens do as far as a franchise and drafting. But... Fantasy wise, I don't, I might have one Tylen Wallace share in 45 leagues. I have zero. And you, he was one of the guys that I was spitting out the numbers for, you know. But again, it was predicated on the fact that he was going to get that draft capital. And I'm going to be getting, getting through some numbers here later. So, Mitch and Dan, I'm sure you're going to mute me during that time. That's okay. But, yeah, I think Bateman, I, I dropped him one or two spots. I have my pre-draft and post-draft rookie rankings, top 24, pinned to my Twitter. 
I think it's a great way to hold ourselves accountable and to say, hey, this is where we were. And Jalen Waddle, absolutely nothing to do with Jalen Waddle, the player, or the landing spot, or the draft capital, because the draft capital, we knew it was going to be top 10. But he actually rose up my ranking simply because I had to drop some guys. There were so many guys that we kept saying, we need that third-run draft capital. We need it. We need it. Well, Dan didn't say it. But maybe he thought it a little bit. Probably not, though. Um, but we didn't get it. So because of that, I had to drop guys. And Jalen Waddle was one of the main beneficiaries. But again, it wasn't so much Waddle as it was the rest of the class. And then Michael Carter, in t- we'll get to him because I know we will get to him. Well, let's get to him now. Let's talk about him. But before you blast me, and then I know it's going to turn into a Trey Sermon on this side over there versus a Michael Carter situation. But Michael Carter was my running back five pre-draft. He's my running back five post-draft, but again, slipped a little bit. And I think Waddle was actually, he he jumped Carter because of that, that treacherous fourth round draft capital but mitch or dan before we get into sermon versus carter because i know it's going to come up mitch has been dying to talk about it who were some of the risers for you or fallers or you know as you're navigating through your rookie drafts you're like eh, i thought i had him here but now i can't do it yet trey lance was my biggest riser you know when we look at the quarterback position uh, to me, he was the biggest winner. He bolted up with my board from, you know, lower end first, just because I was buying the hype that Mac Jones would be the third co-quarterback off the board. And then where does uh, Lance go? But he went from, you know, like 10 range to two. Um, you know, I, I have my head of Justin Fields, unlike many. And then JB just uses. <laughs> oh, I love it. Got to love our, guy, our, our team in the chat there. But uh, and then. The top five quarterbacks, though, as a whole, I think they solidified their spots. I mean, super flex, you know, hey, depending on where you're going, I'll take any of the five. And then running back, to me, there was the established top four. I have Najee in a tier of his own. And then NTN, Williams, and Sermon, to me, are in similar situations where I think they could become, maybe not right away, the feature back, but there are some other talented backs with them. But solid picks uh, and drafts. I think Michael Carter's in the fray. He's not quite with, with those guys, but in the fray. And Kenny Gainwell, man, that, that was the big disappointment to me. He he dipped tremendously. Uh, so so that was out. Uh, Chubba Hubbard, I think he rose with a nice Ch- little Ch- situation. Chubba, Chubba, Chubba's back. Chubba Hubbard, you know, is that like a bubble gum with it? I don't know. <laughs> but but I like Chubba. And then uh, my boy. Chubba, uh, Ramondre Stevenson also, I think, maintained some value there in New England. Uh, I think I think that situation will play out. I predict, and maybe I'll talk. I don't want to get into my closing thoughts, but I think one New England back will be leaving at some point, and uh, he'll be in the fray. Sermon was one of those players too. He rose for me. I had him at twenty-one pre-draft and post-draft 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 16. But again, I I didn't have it numbered on my tweet, so I had to count out loud there. But again, it wasn't so much like I'm not infatuated with that landing spot like other people are, but we are going to get into a little bit. So, Mitch, this is kind of your topic here. Uh, You've been you've been dying to talk about this tonight. And you were like, John, are you going to bring your your fourth one numbers here? Because I know you're thinking I'm going to I'm going to stump JB, but you can't stump the numbers. I'm not stumping you. I'm just going to say the numbers are probably stupid. But this honestly isn't. A Carter versus Sermon thing because Sermon is my running back four. I mean, locked in for the only reason why I don't get a lot of Sermon is because he's going right around Terrace Marshall, um, Bateman, Moore, Devontae Smith. He's just going around those guys to where, yeah, I just, I would just rather have those wide receivers. But the Carter's going a little bit later. He's going like in a lot of my leagues, not every league, right? Just in the leagues that I'm in. 206 to 212, right around there is pretty much where he's locked in. I haven't seen him drop to the third yet. But I'm just, I want to tell you why I'm completely okay with Michael Carter there as my running back five. And I'm not expecting him to be running back one at some point. But look at what the Jets did. They already have Mekhi Beckton. So that's really good. They go out and they get Zach Wilson. 
they trade up in the draft in the first round to get the best interior <clears throat> offensive lineman, Vera Tucker. And in the second round, they get Elijah Moore. They don't have a third round pick. The very next pick they have, they snatch up Michael Carter with the second pick in the fourth round. There is no one in the world that could tell me, oh no, Michael Carter isn't going to be good because the Jets didn't trade up two picks to get him at the end of the third. Somehow, some way, that's not all of a sudden his likelihood of being good in the league isn't going to happen because he went two picks later. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. I think when you look at what the Jets did as a team, they want to surround Zach Wilson with talent. And that's what they did. And they weren't ever going to take Michael Carter in the second round because Elijah was there and they were going to draft him there because he was the best player there. And then they took the running back as soon as they could. But you compare that to someone like Kenneth Gainwell, who went in the fifth round, every single team had a four rounds to get him. I'm out on Gainwell at that point. I completely get that. But Michael Carter locked in fifth. I think he could probably be a Jamal Williams type, right? Just maybe between Jamal Williams and Kareem Hunt, because I think Kareem Hunt would be like the absolute ceiling, right? But I think in between there to where they're a good eight-year starter to where you could always put them in your flex. I think short-term, I agree. The landing spot's nice, Mitch. I mean, who's he got to beat out or compete with? Tevin Coleman? You know, so in that Niners-style offense that the Jets are going to run, the opportunity's there. But but I think there was this wise man who said, has some data from 2003 that says fourth-rounders fourth just don't necessarily pan out, Mitch. So JB might have something else to share with us here. I I don't even know if I want to because it's not going to be absorbed. You, no, you I'm might, not going to listen to it about that, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, you might you, you might listen, but you're not really hearing me. And that's why <laughs> that's why it, it's like I'll say something to my wife and it's something completely asinine and irrelevant. And like a, a minute later, I'm like, OK, never mind. She's like, oh, what did you say? I'm like, it didn't matter a minute ago. It doesn't matter now. The fact that she still tolerates me is absolutely incredible. Really you can honestly say like there's a 25 percent chance this running back in the fourth round is going to be a running back two season. In my mind, I hear Michael Carter's at 25 percent. I don't need to worry about it. 25 percent is way too high. No, I don't care. Michael Carter is whatever that percentage is. So you guys had a big issue with the year 2003. So I, I don't care about the year, to be honest with you. So what, what, what are we doing here, man? What, what, it was more about the no, fourth I'm really value, just here to say was just fun. that Michael Carter as the running back fine is more than fair. Well, I, I don't understand really what we're debating because I also have him as my running back five. I'm fairly certain Dan has him at the running back five. And then we're talking, you're saying Jamal Williams could be, can I just say something? And I, I have six, six pages here that I, of stuff that I was doodling and doing today. I changed it to 2010. We don't want to go back to 2003. There has been one fourth round running back drafted during that time to average 13 PPR points per game over their first three years of the career. Do you know who was in the fourth, fourth round? So it could only be from the fourth round. Kareem Hunt. I actually don't even know when he was. Yeah, drafted, he was third. Uh, Devonte Freeman. Yeah, mate, he's Devonte Freeman. I like that. That's good comp. I like that, John. Thank you. That is the. Most I like it. it. That's gonna be my tweet tomorrow. John comped Michael Carter. Don't please don't do that to me. But anyway, let me, I'm gonna throw my numbers out here because I worked hard. I, I don't typically write, but I've been. Uh, Dan's really rubbed off on me. He, you know, I'm, I'm going old school since 2010. There have been 42 running backs taken in the fourth round, 17%. And this is all over their first three years. Okay. Only their first three years in the NFL, 17% hit 8.5 PPR points per game. That would have been good enough for running back 48 last year. 7% hit 10 and a half. 2%, which was Devontae Freeman, hit 13.3. I understand, and I saw the comment in the chat, it feels arbitrary, and I get that. But I went to a, I went to school for applied mathematics, and it, it, it's hard to sit here and say 
the historical data that we have available doesn't matter because, well, this running back's going to be different. But again, I, I think we're talking about it in two different ways, but we see him in the same light. John, can I ask you a question? I How hard is it for someone who went to college for advanced math, whatever that term was that you used, to talk to someone who took algebra like four times in high school? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't understand any of these numbers. It's difficult for me because you choose not to listen. That's very true. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the other stuff you said, but you you, you don't want to listen. Locked. Running back five. But I'm there too. I know. <laughs> uh, so Trey Sermon, can we talk about him? Because I'm seeing a lot of people say, well, Trey Sermon, is he the, this year's Keyshawn Vaughn? And people, I, I get that question because Keyshawn Vaughn was our guy. It is a completely different situation. There are different prospects. That the age difference is the big thing when it look, you know, you look at it analytically. Third round draft capital, yes. But Trey Sermon was the running back four taken in this class. Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, was running back nine. And I would love to, I might maybe I'll go back and look, but do like a little bit of a study instead of the draft capital, the running back four, running back eight. And maybe I love that. That's a really, I'll, really good idea, actually. I might just ping Dave right and say, Do you have this? And then I'll put my name on it. Um, I'm sure, sure that could that could work out. But uh and th the prospect wise, Keyshawn Vaughn, he had like a 70% college dominator from the rushing side of it and much more productive and useful in the receiving game. Trey Sermon actually doesn't really have any of that. Came on late. He like 4% receiving college dominator, 18% uh, rushing. I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, but the numbers maybe it was higher than 18%, but the numbers are nowhere close to what Keyshawn Vaughn was, but it is an entirely different situation and you can't compare the prospects, but also Keyshawn Vaughn seemingly catapulted from nowhere to too high for some people. Um, so the, the point was the other way, Dan, whereas Trey Sermon, Dan had Trey Sermon firmly at running back four pre-draft. And here we are post draft, even with what seems to be a nice landing spot, still there at running back four. So Dan, I gotta I gotta commend you here because as we led into the draft, I said that what you were saying, you know, other people, Matt Waldman, he's one of the guys too, really hyping up Trey Sermon. I said I was starting to buy into it. And now here we are with the third round draft capital, and I'm there with my running back four. Yeah, man. To me, he was just very close to Williams going in. I love the game film. You know, I always talk about game film, but he was the guy at Ohio State. He played at that high level of, you know, of, of competition there. And then in typical Dan fashion, guys, did you see his workout video on Instagram? He, th this is a dude that if he, when he comes off the bus, man, like you're like, wow, this, this, this guy's a, a freak. So I just got this gut feeling, man. This might just be a little intuition, JB and Mitch. I just think this kid might be something special there, you know, and he's got Mostard in there who's a, who's a talented back too, if he can stay healthy, but I, I think he'll be in the mix right away with, with upside to be the Niners lead back for some years to come. I think we should be very careful with the expectations here in year one. And that might be the big thing with sermon, but beyond this year, Jeff Wilson, not under contract, Raheem Mostert, not under contract and the dude's 30 already, or he's going to be 30. Um, so I, I do think there is some longer term appeal for Trey Sermon. So for me, you look at rookie value changes. He was probably one of the biggest risers for me, but I think I have two shares and it's exactly what Mitch said. And this will go into the strategy part a little bit. He's going ahead of Elijah Moore. He's going ahead of Terrace Marshall. And that's something I can't get behind. And that's exactly the reason. Hold on, Dan. That's exactly the reason that I do have Michael Carter because he's slipping five, six spots at times behind Trey Sermon. So just I want to add to that and kind of look at a couple of different scenarios where now when you when you brought up Michael Carter at the end, JB, 
you you kind of complimented where okay I could see you now waiting to Carter depending on who you believe in again there's no magic wand uh, I think I heard on some p- podcast today where like God's the only one that really knows you know who's going to make it in the NFL um, well can for, I tell you God's podcast of choice I heard it's Dynasty Theory so what is I, that I did you? hear that so we we are on to something there but for me in that like I don't disagree with your take of you know hey I'd rather Elijah Moore or pick your receiver that you believe in ahead of Trey Sermon. But if my roster really needs a running back or I want to improve that, I don't want to take that dip below Trey Sermon. For me, I don't want to take it to Michael Carter. If you do believe in Michael Carter, then you're right. You take Elijah Moore, you take that receiver, and you say, hey, I'm going to get Michael Carter and be happy. But if you don't believe in Michael Carter or you don't want to take that drop, there are, one, there are I think, two leagues that I took Sermon ahead of a receiver. And there are leagues that I took the receiver over Sermon. So I, I think it's who you believe in and specific to – your t- your roster mitch i i want to throw this over to you immediately just while it's fresh in my mind we talked about the landing spot and how you were eh, willing yeah. to move things a little bit more and i tried my hardest not to for you just like dan said if you really need a running back and, and you don't like carter do you take sermon i tried my very best and i would say 95% of my draft picks, it was my list. It was my board. And I stuck with it because I'm going to look to trade throughout the off season or in season, depending on how things go. But there are a few where I was like, I, I, I want this running back here. And maybe sermon was gone. And I jumped the gun a little bit on Michael Carter, like two or three spots, nothing completely egregious. But if you found yourself doing that, or are you trying to stick to your board? I will actually say with Michael Carter, I probably grabbed him in a lot of spots at 206, 207, but that's just who I like there. So he would have been right there on my board. Um, you brought up a good point. Something that I was actually going to kick it off with is we speak to this as we're in so many leagues, we could stick to our board and we'll just end up getting players we like in getting some players we don't like, but we have so many draft picks that it kind of just works out in the end. Um, A lot of our listeners probably have two or three. And honestly, in my opinion, if you have two or three, and if you don't have an early round two pick, let's say you have the 111. I'm not going to pick Trey Sermon there. I am not going to bump him up in the first round, something that I did constantly last year with Keyshawn Bond. I would trade up in the first round because, well, I got to get that running back. So I would trade up and get him. And that's just something that what I feel I've learned over the last year is don't just take someone that much earlier, especially in the first round. The first round, you need to hit more often than what you hit the other rounds. A late second pick, a lot of those aren't going to work out anyways. They could be maybe flex plays the best. And so I'm okay taking that chance on someone like Michael Carter, but I'm not willing to be like, you know, I really like Michael Carter. Like I said, 10 minutes ago, I'm not willing to take him at two Oh one because like, it's just a really bad process to do that. And that's exactly what we had done in the past. And I, I know it's a lot of people, they don't want to admit their process mistakes, but that's how you learn. And we've talked about that countless times and we're very vocal and transparent. Hey, this was a, a fatal error. Fatal. Yes. Fantasy football. Fatal. That's how important it is. But we were correcting that. And that's exactly what this conversation's about. But I, I, I not saying the, the order is right by any means, but I feel very good about my board pre and post draft and what went into that this season again is it going to be 100 correct heck no is it going to be 99 correct you better believe it nobody's listening to me anyway uh dan anything else with rookie value changes before we revisit for like the third time late round flyers that we now want to talk about since we have landing spots and draft capital uh I know we're going to get to third and fourth round, so uh, I would just make a little mention, I guess, to I like some receivers that you could get. You know, say if I want to get Sermon and pass on one of those top receivers we named, I'm very comfortable with Elijah Moore. We did mention him, but Deami Brown, I have him as a, a second round grade, so he won't be mentioned in our in our Flyers category there. 
he's a guy that's filmed just the more I watch it, the more I fall in love with it. And, and, and I see an opportunity there in Washington. So he definitely rose and we didn't talk about tight end. Um, you know, I was a little disappointed in Hunter Long's landing spot in Miami there. Maybe I shouldn't be, but Friar Muth there in Pittsburgh. I think Ebron's a free agent. We see Ebron flip teams like the weather. I think he'll be gone after next year. Friar Muth learns for a year. And if you need a tight end and you couldn't get Kyle Pitts, I think he's a good tight end to, to, to snab. I have him in typical PPR 212 right now. That's and uh, reached a little bit. I think I only have two shares of him as well, but I reached a little bit in the 114 team to PPR. And I want to say it was like 205 or 206. So 1920th pick. Um, Owen, you're in the chat throwing names out there. Don't you're stealing guys here. Come on, Owen. Come on. Um, and what a great name to Trey McKitty. Um, great name. But my second round and Mitch, just really quick. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, who's too high? Who's too low for you? So starting at 201, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, Jalen Waddle. I know you think that's going to be too low, but I have him up to 203 now. Up that's to good. That's good. It is too low. Trey Sermon at 204, Rondell Moore 205, Deami Brown 206, Michael Carter 207, Amon Ross St. Brown, Nico Collins, Amari Rogers, Kadarius Tony, and Pat Frymouth. I like it. I will say, as the Lions fan of this podcast, I don't care if people think it's biased. It's really not. I think Amon Ross St. Brown should be ahead of Deami Brown. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown. He went in the fourth round. Uh, he did. But for wide receivers, I mean, Looking at him as a prospect, he is someone who is pretty much pro-ready. He's extremely physical, and that's what the Lions were trying to do. They're trying to, they're doing the old school, like we're trying to build through the trenches and be a really physical team, but their whole draft showed that's what they want. And Almond Ross St. Brown like fits that perfectly. His dad was talking that when he was a baby, he had to tell him to smile more because he was just always mad. He's like, you got to be happy, but that's kind of just how Almond Ross St. Brown is. And he's going to go in and immediately get slot work. Um, we know Goff and Cooper Cup. It's been a thing forever. I'm not saying Alvin Ross St. Brown's going to be nearly as good as Cooper Cup. I just think the opportunities he's going to get is probably more than Deami Brown's going to get in Washington. I think there are some receivers that landed in some very opportunistic spots. So again, it's who you believe in. Okay. If you, if you believe in Amon Ross St. Brown, which we know JB did from the beginning, I, I think John, you got to be pretty happy. He landed in Detroit because we know what their wide receiver situation is for me. I guess my version of Amon Ross St. Brown is probably in the flyers category, but I love um, Des Fitzpatrick in Tennessee. I mean, am I really worried about Josh Reynolds? Here's a talented kid. Again, the more I watch his film, he just glides, man. I think he could be get some reps right away, be right in that rotation, contribute, and be their number two receiver in no time. You said Des Fitzpatrick. I love Des. The one that's already 23 years old. <laughs> but an, an injury is part of that. He An injury set him back a year, so I, I think that factors in a little bit. Maybe he did, maybe if he doesn't get hurt, he go he came out last year. If if ifs and buts were candy oh, come and on. is that the saying? I, I think Something so. Like that. Something like that. So the the biggest drop, the biggest, and I now don't even know. I don't think I've drafted him anywhere. Seth Williams. Oh yeah. I, no he zero just, shares, man. Just off my board. I mean, he's there in the fourth round. If you want to take a stab, sure. I just, I can't get on board. So I was just going to mention something really quick with Seth Williams. I was listening to, I want to quote the right pod. It's on The Athletic, and I believe it was the one with Mays this week. And they were talking about Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams, right? And it's kind of said that Seth Williams just quit halfway through the season. And that's what teams saw. And so he just dropped because... Teams with this whole COVID year, they were kind of okay with you, you know, if you opted out because of that. But just seeing someone quit halfway through the season, that was like a huge hit against him. And so teams were just completely off. Uh, we have a question. And that that's really good insight. That That is good insight. Again, that's not going to show up on my spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but th that's why context is important. It really is. And, you know, I, I say things in jest, but you have to take that into consideration. Question from Ben. 
Tamar and Terry, Sage Surratt, or Seth Williams. If those are my options, I'm going to go Seth Williams. I was out on Terry and Surratt pre-draft, and now did it, but Terry did was on undra- Didn't Surratt go to Nate, uh, Mitch's Lions, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So opportunity, maybe. Uh, undrafted free agent. Trade I for Fab. Yeah. I, I. So for me, if that's my group, I'm going Seth Williams. And TJ says, I just witnessed Dan use 60% of his fab on a Des Fitzpatrick waiver claim. I love it. Good job, Dan. That might be a little, little expensive. Dan's like, wait, I did. <laughs> He's like, oh, I didn't know I spent that much. <laughs> All right. Um, and another did waivers uh, go through in a league. I guess uh, a couple other names that just not on my board. Now Daz Newsome, six round Chicago. I want no part of that. What do you guys, are you still okay as a late round flyer? And let's revisit that now on Jalen Darden. Oh yeah, uh, like late Baby. fourth round. I'm okay because you can't expect anything from him this year. He is not cracking that starting lineup unless four wide receivers just aren't on the team anymore, right? But I think he's probably going to be on the practice squad. I don't even know if he's going to make the active roster. But he's some late fourth round. Get him on your team and just wait. He's someone that can two years from now, get on a team and be okay. So I'm okay really late fourth round, but really not before that. Talk to me about Jalen Darden, boys. I could not be any happier with his landing spot, and nobody wants him. It is a thing of beauty. I literally believe I either have him or I'm about to get him in 15 drafts. I I will have the most Jalen Darden shares out there because he gets to learn from Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Tom Brady, and that great coaching staff. And you know what? Someone's going to leave in a year, and I think this guy has the talent to be an NFL slot receiver. We liked him all along. So I think he got the perfect landing spot, and I love that he's getting no respect in rookie drafts. I mean, why should he? That's my question. (laughs) Because I think in a year or two, he could put up stats in the slot and be a fantasy contributor. I believe he will be a starter in the National Football League. He's going to be a fantasy contributor the same way people believe Tyler Johnson was going to be a fantasy contributor eventually. Both of them, they're never going to amount to anything. He could be Cole Beasley. He could be Jamison Crowder. He could be any one of those guys in in a couple years. And when he does, I'm going to buy his jersey and wear it on this show. Remember that. All right, I'll, I'll quote Darden. you on that. I, Did you watch I, his film, John? And and John, you, do you have any analytics on him that could back up or or deep, you know, debunk my theory that this kid could be talented? We talked about this four weeks ago. I said no. He's not old. He's young. What is he? Four foot eight. He's no. He's he's he's, he's an he's your average he's slot receiver. Yeah. He's, he's he's not like two two Atwell. I mean, two two Atwell. All right, so. Flyers revisited. There are a few guys that, you know, we're talking fourth round and on. Who are a few guys? I, Mitch. Oh. I have one. And so I'm actually going to bring up our Discord again for this reason. TJ's in there. TJ is probably the best actual dynasty player that I know. He wins every league he's in. His ROI has to be absolutely obscene. But he bought, brought up Kalen Granson for the Colts. Someone that I'd even really noticed was drafted, didn't know. I know, Dan, you brought him You're up. You're stealing my notes, Mitch. You're stealing my sorry, notes. Sorry, sorry. But I wanted to make sure to give credit to TG on this because he brought him up, right? And it was getting to the third round of a lot of drafts. And I'm like, okay. So I start listening to a lot of NFL pods today. The Prospects to Pros podcast brought him up. And they're like, look, this guy is Jordan Reed. He could end up playing the exact same role that Trey Burton did. And this is what the Colts want in that offense. I'm just like, oh, TJ's onto something here. And so I start hammering him in every single draft. I think I'm up to eight shares now. And I'm trying to get as many as I can. And it's really all because TJ brought him up in our Discord. No, no love to... for me bringing him up a couple episodes ago. Just I, didn't, saying, I didn't listen Just to saying. that really. Dan did. <laughs> I, I will say Dan did. But I did see the Discord uh, with TJ's comment as well. I'm trying to pull up Dynasty Planet. And that again, that's the site that we, the, the free mm-hmm. website we use to track all of our player shares. And it's really, it's useful in season two because you can 
navigate through it. It tells you where people are starting, if they are out, if they have a questionable tag, and you can kind of tinker there. As you can tell, it's still loading, and I'm trying to uh, fill the air here as I loads but when you have more than yeah i was just gonna mention if you do load it up and you want to see your grants and shares for some on mfl like he wasn't even available to draft in a lot of safe leagues for a long time and so they had to unlock him but he's not i don't even know if he's considered a rookie on there but if you're on dynasty planet you can't search uh 2021 draft year you have to go to any and then you go to tight end and then he will pop up on there but yeah, like we mentioned fine. with Dynasty Planet, it's um, if you're in a lot of Dynasty leagues, you have to use this website because it helps out so much from um, roster ship shares and it helps you out on game day because it'll tell you if someone's injured and still in your lineup. So exactly what I said. Dan, did you notice the theme here? Mitch doesn't listen to either of you us. You just said that? My bad, dude. Yes, I literally <laughs> just said it. my bad. No, I have to give you a hard time. But looking at my my shares here, so these are guys that I have gone out and I have targeted late third, beginning of the fourth. Mitch can't even show his face. He is so, oh, thank you. That's probably what you were thinking when my camera went out on Fantasy Football Confidential. Yeah, yeah, my it's bad. Still, it's still at 57%, that laptop. Anyway, uh, the backfield there in Atlanta, we look at these situations, and I, I know people are trying to say, well, who's the next James Robinson? We're not going to see another James Robinson, I don't think, anytime soon. Because when you look at my numbers here, since 2010, this is actually impromptu here. Since 2010, there's only one undrafted free agent out of 127 that were in Dave Wright's database to hit at least 13.3 PPR points per game over the first three seasons. Of course, James Robinson, only one season in, but he's the only one, one out of 127. So are we going to find another James Robinson? Most likely not. But a backfield similar to um, Jacksonville last year, question marks. We weren't really sure what was going to happen whenever Leonard Fournette was cut. But I know Mike Davis is in Atlanta, but Javian Hawkins and Caleb Huntley. So I have 11 shares of Javian Hawkins. I can't tell you how many shares of Caleb Huntley the running back from Ball State that I have because he's not in my, my, my fantasy league. So our poor commissioners, hey, Justin, hey, Nick, can you can you skip me on this pick? And I'm going to put in the message board, Caleb Huntley, running back, Ball State. I think I'm up to about five shares. Unfortunately, I don't have any in safe leagues because if Scott and, you know, if Scott had to add, a player anytime somebody reached out to him, I don't think he would ever get anything else done. So probably not going to fill that request. Brevin Jordan. Da, 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 da. Dan, I actually took Ramondre Stevenson in a few leagues. There was a couple spots he he landed to me. And again, I'm just kind of going on the theory right now that I do believe Sony Michelle will be traded. I think it's such a crowded, even more crowded than usual backfield in New England. Heard the rumor, and it just makes sense. And I'm starting to look at teams that drafted things that, you know, players that may not make sense because of a crowded situation, and there's a couple of them. So I think he's a good gamble. Not You know, you still have James White who catches the ball, so he's probably not going to get targets. Damian Harris is the guy there. His stock's rising for me. So I'm not necessarily excited about Ramondre Stevenson, but I think there's some value. New England backs, they prove to be productive. Fourth round running backs, 23 years old or older, entering the NFL draft since 2010. There are eight. It's quite a list, guys. Joe Williams, Wayne Gallman, Devontae Booker, Jeremy Langford, Buck Allen, Franklin. That's the last name. I didn't write the first name down because I didn't really care. Carter and Taiwan Jones. Oh, for eight. Don't forget. Joe Williams was the running back that Shanahan pounded the table for. Yeah. That was the nice. big thing with Joe Williams. And I told everybody, Joe Williams quit on the Utes halfway through the season and he had to be begged to come back. Uh, but, you know, here that's we That's right. Yeah. And then I'm, I, I can't even pronounce his name. Uh, again, I always go back to Jonu Smith. I, uh, Jonu, Jonu. But the running back from Minnesota that was taken in the fourth round, Kine, Kine. Mm-hmm. Um, our guys over at NFL Rough Draft, Mike and Ray, 
they said he's going to go earlier than he should in rookie drafts, but he is brought in for special teams. So don't jump the gun there, but also 23 year old fourth round running back um, just because he was taken ahead of guys like Kenneth Gainwell pour one out for him, maybe pass on him in your rookie drafts if they haven't taken place yet. All right. Anybody else here? Any other running backs, wide receivers, tight ends? Uh, Mitch, this question's come up. Kellen Mond, Davis Mills, and Kyle Trask. Mm-hmm. Are you doing anything with them? I have seen several late second-round picks used on one of those quarterbacks. I will say I absolutely hate what the Houston Texans have done as far as even the draft. I think the draft was probably the worst in the league to go along with the worst team in the league. But I mean, they got Davis Mills there, right? And I think there's a chance to where he could see starting time this year. So I'm okay taking him with just the hope he gets the starting job. You could trade him for something more than what you paid. Maybe you get him in the fourth, you could get a third. Maybe you did a late third for him and you could get an early third. But I don't want any of these guys to be honest. I, I understand why people would want Kyle Trask. I just think Kyle Trask has a weak arm and he's never really going to fit the Aryan system, but he's kind of just fits the prototype that Arians is looking for. And the other guys, they're just not that good. And I don't think their landing spots are very good either. Yeah. The quarterback, I, I've taken a flyer on a few of them, but I've looked for more of the upside of the position, the skill positions as opposed to the quarterbacks there. Dan, any thoughts on the quarterbacks or any other late round flyers you want to talk on before we get to the more uh, of the overarching rookie draft strategy and, and some talks here before we wrap tonight up? Just quick thought on quarterbacks. You know, I, I think tracks Trask just falls to the perfect situation. You know, he's got the perfect mentor, great coaches, great team around him. You know, there is a, there is something to go into the NFL and fall into a good situation. You know, we worry of great quarterbacks to go to bad situations and then their career gets tanked. So I think he at least has an opportunity with that situation. Uh, Kelly Mond, I I kind of like that in Minnesota there. Kellen Mond, um, his opportunity, Cousins, it's a, it's a two-year window tops and then he's got some tools, you know, so, so he's, I think worth a flyer on Davis mills, man. Like Dan really quick uh, from Owen in the chat. Only one I have interested in is uh, Kelly, Kelly Mond, uh, Kellen Mond as Chris Sims was hot on him and has a good record with quarterback evaluations. So not only does Kellen Mond get the stamp of approval from Chris Sims, he also gets it from Dan Lamagna. I don't know if I want that stamp of approval from Chris Sims. I'm not sure there, man. Some of his mock drafts have been pretty out there. But Davis Mills, to Mitch's point, I think, you know, if you're just totally desperate, he is. he may be the first to play. But I think it'll be a bloodbath. Oh, I, yeah. I just think he'll get crushed <laughs> in that game. So you might end up with negative points. Be careful of your league scoring. And and I don't think his career will be too long-lived. I think he, he's got some talent, Mills. I know there was some medical reports that popped up with his knee that, that's not that great. So you've got some medical issues. You're going to a terrible team that's probably not going to protect you, and you don't have receivers. I don't know. That's just a mess. I'm dysfunctional Texans, to Mitch's point, their draft, free agency, I think they're in trouble. Really quick, I'm getting a message there in the chat. I am on the clock in a 14-team super flex league, tight end premium, and I am on the clock at 4.09. One player that I have taken, this really ties nicely with the Flyers, and I don't know a lot about him, honestly, You know, coming in, but a seventh-round draft pick, again, let me pull my notebook out here. <laughs> seventh-round draft pick, uh, Chris Carson. He's the only true hit, but Miles Gaskin, and then I can't even read my own handwriting. But Miles Gaskin also falls into this category, and it works out perfectly because the guy I'm going to bring up is Dokes, the running back. He is a big boy. I've taken him a few too. <laughs> Six foot two thirty. Again, is he going to amount to anything? Probably not. But could see something in that backfield. I like Miles Gaskin, so I doubt it. But maybe Dokes gets into the mm-hmm. mix a little bit there. And then uh, Mitch, you just you auto drafted Jalen Darden. Yep. I was ready. Surprise, surprise. I mean, he's what? The 
I can't count the high 60th pick in that draft or something like that. It's close. Yeah. I mean, it's absolute dark throws. All right. Unfortunately, I do not have the template. I was all, I was in a tizzy tonight. So pretend like rookie draft strategy is highlighted on your screen. It's not, it's not. We'll tell the listeners there on the podcast feed, but rookie draft strategy. Is there anything you guys have done or thought of while you're navigating through drafts? And there's, there's something Mitch and I, Mitch, you brought it up. Well, I think I brought it up, but we talked about it together. We had two picks very close together in the second round. It was like 204 and 207. And Michael Carter, or maybe it was like 203 and 206. That was one of the situations that we took Michael Carter a little ahead of where we had him on our board. But because we had that pick soon after, like in that second round, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, uh, even Deami Brown behind them, but still close. There were wide receivers that we were okay with in that range. So because of how our picks were staggered, we both felt comfortable. Get Carter, get the wide receiver that lands with our next pick. And I can't remember who it was, but uh, you know, I, I think that's something to pay attention to. Now, if you have the 110, 210, 310, 410, yeah. that kind of throws that out the window. But it is something to think about. If you have one running back and then three wide receivers in the same tier, go with that running back first and then take whatever wide receiver slips to you. And I don't know that Dan's going to disagree with that because we kind of talked about that earlier, getting your guy, um, and, and it kind of ties into that. This is a real fun draft. I, I think being active is is the most important thing. You know, we've done so much studying and in, in, in the Patreon chat, we see all these different views of different rookies. I think as long as you're active and, and you're finding your place in this draft, you're going to be good. I think if you're aggressive early, you, again, there's five quarterbacks in the first round that can improve your quarterback position. You have elite guys in Chase and Pitts that are just fabulous. If you're in there and you're not getting the quarterback, you're going to land with an elite guy. If you're not fortunate enough to have one of those seven guys there, there's some studs that you could get and be very happy with. I think it's a second-round draft full of talent that could be first-round stars. So at least get go get some second-round picks. And then if even if you've traded all your draft capital, I think there's value this year in being active and finding picks in the third and fourth rounds. And there's some guys here that that have talent or in good opportunities. So, you know, my tip is to just be as active as you can. I've, I've never spent so much more time, like, yes, on the first and second round, but on the third and fourth round than I have this year getting some of the guys that we mentioned tonight at the receiver, tight end, running back position that have some upside. I got to give him credit, but as obnoxious as he can be with the trade offers in the third and fourth round, Dan is persistent. He is tenacious and he has guys he wants to get like, listen, Dan, I don't want Jimmy Graham and 50 fab dollars for four eleven. Like, I don't even want to waste my time hitting reject on that, but I did out of the kindness of my heart. But like that, that's the thing, picking up those small, those small gains there and finding those guys that could potentially hit. So again, uh, Dan, I, I, I really applaud your tenacity with looking to, acquire those picks it if i could add to that jb it, it it did pay off you know again to your point jimmy graham 50 fab dollars didn't mean anything to you but to another owner they were looking for that extra piece or some fab packy i know packy man Packy for the listeners dan has sent me about a dozen offers in one league that i'm in with him I can't imagine how many everyone else gets. Man, I, I flooded the offers this week there. And then even the, the one guy we didn't mention, man, Simi Fahuku, went to my Dallas Cowboys. What, what what a gift that was. And no one wants him either. So I'm happy to take him in like the fifth round. And um, he's just a raw prospect with, with talent there. But to my point, I, I think that persistence pays off. And for me now, my guys have to pan out, at least some of them. And, and it was all worth it. And again, your guys might be different than mine, John's or Mitch's. But be aggressive. Go after them. Get them. And you, you've got yourself a fighting chance. So be, be active. I'm going to echo these sentiments because one thing that I've really started to do in the last few years in the third and fourth round, I want to be overweight on guys. I'm using the GPP strategy in you know, daily fantasy is you want to have one guy that you're really strong on. If that one guy hits, that's how your ROI explodes from just 
barely making a decent winning to making a lot of winnings that week. And so last year, Darnell Mooney was the guy that I was all over in the third round. Example. And now I have a whole bunch of shares of him this year. I don't even know if it's going to work out, especially first year. I don't think it is, but it's Anthony Schwartz. So I have him in 35% of my leagues. And the reason why I'm doing it is Odell might not be there in 22. Jarvis Landry might not be there in 22. He's going to see the field this year because he could stretch that. He could, you know, he's going to play that stretch role to where Landry and Odell can do whatever they want underneath. And then Schwartz is going to get those bombs from Baker that he loves to throw. And so I just love really being really overweight on guys like that in the third and fourth round. Another one is Brevin Jordan. It's not even, I really like Brevin Jordan. It's you could get him in the fourth round right now in tight end premium leagues. So why not get him? And I might miss these guys might be terrible, but 90% of the guys you're drafting in the third, fourth round are going to be terrible too. I love your Darnell Mooney cop there because I think there are a ton of guys, not a ton, but I mean, there's at least a half dozen guys that could could be a Darnell Mooney. And again, pick who you want them to be, go after him. There's a good chance one of these guys is definitely going to be Mooney. Brevin Jordan, I was kind of out on, Mitch. I mean, I agree with the value, and I just don't think he's going to kind of pan out in the NFL. I don't see where his his role is. So I'm kind of completely fading him, but it's a thin tight end class. So, you know, it could be worth a flyer for that, in that respect. And going back to the Darnell Mooney comment, with any of these third or fourth round players, you don't necessarily need them to, and I use air quotes, hit per mm-hmm. se. Like Darnell Mooney, I wouldn't think that anybody would say, oh yeah, Darnell Mooney's been a hit at this point, but I'm sure at one point you could get a second for him if you wanted. That is instant profit, and that's kind of the the stuff that you can look at within your own league. Again, he they don't necessarily have to hit, but as long as we get that perceived value spike, that's where we start to profit, and I think that's the big advantage there. And Mitch, you and I, we don't really see eye to eye on this one. You're talking about being overweight on a guy, and later in the draft, but maybe a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier, if I have three guys in the same tier and I can do this because I'm in so many leagues, go option A this time, option B, option C. Um, That's something I like to do. But again, if if I see them within the same tier, I'm not going to bump up or down a tier, well, bump down a tier just to mix things up. If that's my guy and he's on my board, I will take him. All right, Dan's so, rubbing his. Sorry, I thought Dan was going there. I I th- thought he was going in. I was waiting. Nope, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm right, ready for some final thoughts. So any anything else with over overarching strategies here? Uh, one last thing I want to say. It's very difficult now, but if your rookie draft has not happened yet, I know they trickle through the entire off season, but I tried so hard to move up early and move up late and it's been very difficult people want those top six picks and it's going to cost a premium and rightfully so and then it dwindles down dwindles down and then it's like middle of the second when you see your guy slip it's been very difficult to move up i like a one spot bump i threw an extra third in at nah my guy's there and that's what i'm seeing and again that's not a knock on those people because i'm the same way there are some i see my guy draft i don't even i don't even field offers because i'm not going to accept it have you guys been seeing that too oh completely 100 yeah the top six unless you, you hit that lucky owner it's worth trying because every once in a while you get an owner that's have some flexibility but mostly you're paying a king's ransom there's definitely some rookie fever that we're seeing so it is also good to warn the listeners don't overpay either you know eventually that rookie shine is going to fade a little bit for certain guys and are there any That was the, you know, Kadarius Tony Angel. I don't know what it was. It was actually the, my ring doorbell, but you know. yes, we didn't talk so enough about Kadarius Tony tonight. Yes, too. that is the angel. Underrated. Your Kadarius Tony shares have passed on to the afterlife already, and they are now an angel flying up. Really quick before we do the final thoughts, have either of you had any good stories here from the rookie drafts? Like one that you were just like really excited about or something that went terribly wrong for Seen me. A lot of auto picks. Holy of, crap. Uh, auto picks. So in the first because of it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, best thing for me, quarterback needy team. Mitch whooped me in the championship game last year. I was the 111. Tried to move up. Tried to move up. I need a quarterback. Zach Wilson fell to me at 111. He was quarterback five off the board. That was a really lucky situation in my mind for me. So I wasn't sure if there's anything that stood out to you guys. No. Just all the draft, all the auto drafts, man. Like I would say almost every single one of my drafts had one. Like it was crazy this year compared to previous years. And you said it in a tweet. Like we hope everybody is okay. Yeah, I hope they are. But I had one guy uh, this. I, I didn't feel too bad after the fact. He jumped in the chat and goes, I didn't even know our draft was happening. Yeah. See and you like, next year. It was for like three or four days. It didn't even come around. Anyway, here you go, Dan. Final thoughts. Episode 115 wrapping up. Shocker, just over an hour. Uh, Dan, what do you have for our listeners here? Heading into, you know, still a rookie excitement, but then... We get into June, that lull hits. It's the dog days of summer. Yeah, kind of two final thoughts here. I know we're rookie heavy, but I also want our listeners to start dissecting what's next. You know, things are going to change. We got to start figuring out what rookies are going to pan out sooner or later, who's struggling a little bit, what their values are, and set up opportunities for future trades. I don't have the exact date yet, but I know rookie mini camps are like one to two weeks after the NFL draft, so they're coming quick. You know, we're going to see how Jalen Darden and some of these flyers are doing in in camp and and kind of measure how they're adjusting quickly to the NFL. And then they have the first uh, phase of OTAs online, like online meetings. They're actually still going on up until May 14th. So meetings are happening now. And then there's virtual meetings. But on the field drills in the second phase of OTAs, May 17th to the 21st. So we'll see some Twitter. We'll see some, you know, Instagram posts. We'll start getting little, you know, inside beat reporter tips. That'll be value. And then the third phase, May 24th to June 18th. John mentioned the keyword June there. That's when mandatory mini camps kick in in phase three. And we'll start seeing even more. The the meetings will go to in-person at that point. I know that non-mandatory meetings, there are 15 teams not participating in voluntary workouts. So if you're wondering why you're hearing a little bit more news from half the NFL and not as much from half the other, I know Mitch's Lions and uh, JB's Steelers are not participating in the voluntary ones. That's a little bit interesting. And then my last thought of, of this here is look for trades. I mentioned Sony Michelle. I could see him moving. We could see Jamison Crowder moving with, with that signing of Elijah Moore. Keelan Cole is a free agent in the offseason. Aaron Rodgers, my prediction is Raiders or Washington. And then Deshaun Watson's still out there. So there's still a couple more pieces that could get shuffled out that we want to stay ahead of the news and be prepared to trade. One last one there, Zach Ertz possibly getting cut here eventually. Once he does, whether or not that spike should take place, we are going to see the Dallas Goddard spike. Yep. You know, it doesn't matter. The writing could have been on the wall, but once it takes place, you're going to see that that bump. Mitch? See, I waited for this one till afterwards, so you guys can't yell at me about it. But mine is don't trade up for Najee Harris in Superflex drafts. Right now, he's going 103, 104, 105. And what's happening is you're going to have to pay the Superflex price for a quarterback to move up to get that pick. Because a lot of times, they'll still be fields or Lance, or Wilson on the board. And you're going to have to pay that quarterback price to go up and get Harris, who we all know is an older prospect. So I'm not willing to give up a whole bunch of capital to go up and get Harris when I could just go up and get a quarterback instead. He is expensive at that point. point. I just, I did just that in one league. Which league was it? What's the date here? I moved up from the 109 to the 105 by adding Will Fuller. Yeah. If you could do that, yes. But I don't think most leagues you're going to be able to do that. It's one of the, it's, it's that Tanzanite league too for safe Ooh, leagues. It, well, yeah. done. I was, uh, that was one I, at quarterback, I've went Stafford, Ryan Locke. So not, no world beaters there, but I wanted me some, some Najee there. By, so by I, trading up to Najee at five, who did you gift to the next person at six? Do you know off the top here? Uh, nine. It was at nine, and it was. Oh, you you went from. Yeah, who did you get? Who took? Who went at one hundred six though? Yeah, you went from ninth to fifth, so that means someone good slid to six. 
Oh, uh, Chase, Zach Wilson, Devontae Smith. But then at nine, I could be looking silly and be gifting a free Will Fuller. Uh, it was Travis Etienne. So we'll revisit this in a couple years. I already forgot about Fuller, but but you gave somebody Jamar Chase is the, is the moral of the story here. And Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson. Yeah, this is one Chase where especially. I... I could see Wilson because you could like if you need a quarterback, don't need a quarterback. But I have zero Chase. Chase is elite. Ooh. I have zero Chase, and that's, that's not because it. I don't like him. It's because of my overall wide receiver philosophy. Uh, my closing thought: I got to share my screen one last time. Uh oh, really quick. I worked on this today. Does it say fourth round running back suck? No, no. Yeah, we're good. So that's pretty. I. I see the colors. <laughs> There's a little too much red. That's the bad. So all of my leagues group by position, I do a heat map, basically red. I, I need to improve. I need to address that sooner rather than later, but I still have a few months yellow. I am certainly okay. The position green. I am thriving and certainly can look to utilize that and capitalize. But some of those rosters, man, especially the teams that are like three years old, are like uh, that's a lot of red for that team. That's, that's, that's a lot of red. I got less talking into the microphone, more improving my teams. Apparently. All right, guys, this was an absolute blast. I think we're going to have a lot of fantastic episodes coming up here throughout this off season. We want to thank everybody for tuning in, follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at dynasty theory, FF stay safe, be kind to each other. Have a great night. <laughs>